This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your hosts, Radio Joe Hughes and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Hey, and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. It's episode 684, and this week we welcome... Andre Desjardins and Michael Lubliner to talk about the Oak Ridge National Laboratory and their new building science advisor tool for energy efficient and moisture durable building envelope solutions. Let's thank our sponsors before we get started. And don't forget, they're the reason we continue doing the show. And also check out afterthoughts.iaqradio.com, sponsored by First On Site, where we continue the discussion after the show. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site at firstonsite.com. Our association sponsors are the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists, ACGIH.org, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA.org, the Cleaning Industry Research Institute, CIRIScience.org. The Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, IICRC.org. Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories, AEMLINC.com. Particles Plus, ParticlesPlus.com. TSI Inc., TSI.com. Sunbelt Rentals, SunbeltRentals.com. April Air, April, AIRE.com. Healthy Indoors Magazine, HealthyIndoors.com. And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to czlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man. Hello, everyone. I'm happy to report that John Lapotere of Florida IAQ Solutions in Winter Springs, Florida, was first to identify 1922 as the year that Carl Munters and Baltzar Platten filed a patent application in the U.S. for the technology used in a continuously operating refrigerator, which can be made without any moving parts. The IQ Radio Trivia question for today, December 16, 2022, has been sponsored by TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations at TSI.com. Here's today's IAQ Radio Trivia question. On what are the names of the scientists who attended the first self-sustaining nuclear reaction inscribed. Back to you, Joe. All right. Andre Desjardins is the program manager for the Building Envelope and Materials Research Program at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. He's been involved in building envelope and materials research for over 45 years, first as a consultant and for the last 30 years at ORNL. Areas of his expertise include building envelope and material energy efficiency, moisture control, and durability. Michael Robert Lubliner is a senior energy advisor at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. He previously worked at Washington State University Extension and their energy program as building science residential technical lead at the Washington State Energy Office. He's internationally recognized for his 35 years of significant contributions to residential building science, 
research and development of emerging technology, and building systems engineering. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Welcome, guys. Good to see you. Um, let's, let's start with you, Mike. We, uh, you, you know, you and I have known each other over the years. We've run into each other a lot at the Building Science Summer Camp, and I love watching the uh, the band play, and you're a big part of the band. And, and uh, at the end of the show, we're going to have a little outro with uh, one of your songs. And, and what I think is neat about it is it kind of uh, consolidates the last 35 years of um, important lessons that you've learned while doing your work out at Washington State and as a part of the uh, Washington State uh, program. Can you kind of give listeners a little overview of, of the important things you've learned over that last 35 years? Yeah, in, in general, uh, I think that it's all about uh, wisdom. I think the lab picked me up because of my PhD in, uh, in schmoozing in the School of Hard Knocks. And I think that, like as Joe says, wisdom is uh, Joe Stebrick, one of my mentors. That wisdom you get from uh, from change and uh, from making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. Uh, you know, the only people that really embrace change are babies with uh, crap in their diapers. It's hard to change. <laughs> people don't like that stuff. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, change requires the same. If you, you can't just do the same thing over and over and expect different results. So really, you got to embrace change in a good way. And uh, you will gain the wisdom from your mistakes, which we all have. Um, there's there's. The most important thing for me was learning from my peers and my mentors over the years. Uh, I was blessed that I had the opportunity to work with some really smart and uh, people that were theoretical science, as well as hands-on in the trenches, in the crawl spaces with the ductwork or whatever, or the insulation. And you got to get a broad set of people and peers to help you. Um, basically, uh, this stuff is hard. I've been doing it for 35, 40 years. And, and you know, if it was easy, we would have we would have done it. So I'm happy in my career to be able to share my experience with you guys. And now really excited about the building science uh, advisor and working with Andre, who's been a, a mentor of mine for years as well. Um, you know, I think we're all set. Um, one last thing is that, you know, I'm getting old. I'm ready to retire fairly soon. Um, I want to be able to hand what I know, that baton to that next generation to continue on this hard work. And I think that's really what makes it so that I can feel good about retiring is that I know there's people out there that are going to take what we learned and learn more and make their own mistakes and 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 affect positive change for our society and the people that live in our houses. So thank you. Hey, our pleasure to have you, Mike. And Andre, I want to kind of first, if you wouldn't mind, introduce our audience to what you do there at the Building Envelope and Materials Research Program at Oak Ridge National. So, so Joe, you said there weren't going to be any hard questions. I don't know. So uh, <laughs> let, me, let me take a shot of that. So uh, Oak Ridge National Laboratory is one of the Department of Energy's research labs or some 20 uh, DOE research labs scattered across the United States. Uh, the one in Oak Ridge, we'll talk a little bit about its history in a, in a couple of minutes, has been around since World War II. Uh, started as a bombs lab, transitioned into an energy lab uh, in the 70s and uh, after the oil embargoes, and now is a broad-based science lab. Uh, what, what we do is 
we look at trying to make building envelopes more energy efficient and, and more durable. Uh, so we work with private sector companies, manufacturers, uh, architects, developing new, new materials, new ways of putting the materials together uh, for, for, for buildings, both residential and commercial buildings, with the intent of trying to uh, save, save the building owner money in terms of his, his energy bill, as well as make the building last uh, uh, as, lo as long as possible. So those, those are our, our, our focuses. Most of our work is funded uh, through uh, public public funding, uh, but we do work also with with private sector companies. Uh, we have a a very large uh, experimental capability. We've been around since the, uh, the the building sector has been around since the 1970s, and so over the years we've gathered a lot of experimental capability, which we make available to uh, private private sector companies if they need to use those facilities to do research on their own. So uh, try to try to make uh, everybody's uh, uh, every every time you open up your electric bill, uh, not grinch as much as uh, as you would if uh, if we weren't around. Well, we, we've got some slides that you sent us that we'd like to kind of walk through and then keep in mind that a lot of our audience is listening on the podcast, too. But uh, I think this is interesting. You've got first start out with the history of Oak Ridge. You kind of covered that now. And uh Maybe we'll go on to, here we go, 38 to 41. Uh, if you could run through these real quick, we could uh, get an idea of what's been going on with our tax dollars. Sure. So so the, 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 the I guess the history of the lab uh, goes back to uh, the late 1930s. And what, what caused the lab to be founded was that prior to World War II, there was the nuclear fissure was first discovered. And this was in 1938. And unfortunately, that was... Uh, the discovery was made by German physicists. Uh, shortly after the discovery, Germany annexed Czechoslovakia. And that was important because Czechoslovakia at that point in time had the largest known reserves of uranium ore. So Germany at that point now had a technology that they, they could use and a source of materials. And there was significant concern that these uh, this, the, this combination could lead to uh, weapons of mass destruction. So uh, Einstein was the German physicist who had moved to the U.S. Uh, in, in the early 1930s, uh, was urged by some of his German friends, his German physicist colleagues, to write to uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt to try to encourage the United States to begin to develop uh, sim develop similar technology. And this was kind of peculiar because Einstein was effectively a pacifist, and FDR gets this letter in 1939. And of those of you who are history buffs, uh, the United States at that point in time was uh, thought of itself as an isolationist country. We had two big bodies of water on each side of us. The wars in Asia and the wars in Europe were not going to impact us. But you know, a year and a half later, uh, Pearl Harbor occurs and the US is drawn into the war. And at that point, uh, uh, there, the government begins to reconsider that decision of not developing nuclear weapons. And if you could switch to the next slide, John. Uh, in early 1942, just a couple of months after Pearl Harbor, this gentleman, Kenneth McKellar, uh, was called into Franklin Delano Roosevelt's office. And McKellar was the, uh, was the senator who was in charge of the Appropriations Committee. So when US government works, 
Uh, we have a budget that's set by Congress, another budget that's set from the Senate. Those two guys, those two organizations get together. They develop a consensus, send that off to the president, and the president signs that into office, uh, into into law. So McKellar was the in charge of that uh, joint committee, and so Roosevelt calls him into his office for a private uh, session and says to him that he'd like to hide a billion dollars of appropriations uh, to develop super weapons. And a uh, billion dollars back in 1930, uh, in 1942 was a, a lot of money. So McKellar, uh, being from Tennessee, has one famous line in history, and that is, so where in Tennessee would you like to hide that money, sir? <laughs> uh, so uh, guess what? Uh, this is how Oak Ridge gets settled, uh, gets selected. You know, there were several other reasons. There was a lot of electricity here uh, in the early 1930s during the uh, uh, the TVA was founded and they had a lot of hydroelectric power. So there's a lot of electricity available. This was a sparsely populated part of the country at that point in time. Obviously, if they if there was an oops, they didn't want to take out a major portion of a population. So the picture here in the middle is a construction of what's referred to as a graphite reactor, which is the first full-scale nuclear reactor to, to go critical. And if you wow. can imagine this, uh, the funding was approved in February of 42. And in November of 43, uh, in the middle of nowhere, this, this facility uh, is uh, goes critical and begins to convert uranium to plutonium. So wow. the uh, if you could switch to the next slide, sir. Um, so uh, the, the plutonium uh, that was developed at this facility uh, was used to uh, in one of the bombs uh, that was used in World War II. Uh, that uh, research reactor was copied, and uh, uh, several copies of that reactor were built in Hanford, uh, Washington, eastern part of Washington State. They produced the nuclear materials that ended ended World War II. So after the war, uh, what does uh, a bombs lab do? Well, they started to trans translate, uh, transfer into nuclear energy. Uh, one of the things that the lab also began doing is developing nuclear isotopes, which even today are used by the medical industry uh, for, for, nu for nuclear medicine purposes. They figured out a way of, of uh, transferring the, the energy uh, from a nuclear reaction and producing electricity. That occurred in 1948, 1949. And then, uh, so we continued kind of down this energy path till in the mid seventies when the oil embargo hit, uh, all of a sudden buildings became of, of, of significant interest and uh, the laboratory uh, began to do quite a bit of work in the research in, in building energy efficiency. So next slide. So the lab today, uh, 6,000 people, it's, it's a very large lab. It's the largest of all of the uh, Department of Energy labs, has a budget of about one and a half billion dollars. Uh, you know, if you ask our, our director what we do, he won't say buildings. What he will tell you is we have the world's fastest computer in the world. Uh, we host, you know, uh, earlier I think, uh, uh, Michael was talking about the next generation of scientists. We host 3,000 visitors who will spend somewhere between a, a week and three years here uh, to be immersed in science, trying to train the next generation of scientists. Uh, still a lot of work being done in nuclear research. Uh, just last week, uh, there was a successful uh, experiment uh, looking at fusion uh, energy. And you know maybe 
maybe ORNL in some time in the near future will once again be a nuclear lab. Uh, but today it's uh, uh, computing, materials development, and, and education. So that's a little quick snippet about the lab. Interesting. Very interesting. I, uh, I appreciate that. I, we also have some photos from Cliff and Pete took a visit to the lab uh, a few years back, and we, we, we've been trying ever since to get this show organized. We finally got you here, guys, so it's, it's great to have you. Um, when they went, they were uh, treated very, very well. Cliff, you want to kind of run us through these real quick? Well, Pete got top billing, of course, because he made the arrangements, and <laughs> so, <laughs> so on and so forth. But no, it, it was great. They were very, very accommodating and, you know, just the opportunity to to meet the people, uh, get the history, learn about programs, uh, you know, that they're currently working on and then kind of take us on a tour and show us, uh, you know, everything from uh, a building that was uh you know built uh, I, I guess printed you know on, on a you know on a printer yeah, yeah 3d printing i had to make a building out of it and uh i remember these uh these water heaters really high tech uh water heaters and at that te- at that time i think only one or two uh of the companies had actually licensed uh, the technology and now you know, you go to the Home Depot and, uh, you know, you, you, you know, you see that type of equipment. And then just the size heat of water, heat pump water heaters, right? right? Just the size of some of the, you know, equipment that they have there. You know, so, you know, some takes up, you know, entire buildings. They had this climate simulator, you know, for testing walls and windows and so on and so forth. It was just really, really amazing. It was, uh, you know, really, really high tech stuff. So. Great, great experience. Something uh, I don't think I'll ever forget. I think the last photo might show that we got refrigerators. They test those. Go to go ahead, clip, uh, water heaters. John, give me one more. I believe there's that's a three D printed, printed house, building. Right? Three D printed building. Yeah, amazing. What is that? Uh, concrete or plastic? Concrete, right? You know, that's plastic. It's, oh, it's, it's plastic. plastic. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, well, the the key thing we were we were really going to talk about today is the building science advisor, and I think what we'd like to do is just kind of jump right into it. Maybe Mike or Andre, whoever feels more comfortable running us through. Let's go to the next set of slides first. What was the kind of the what was the spark that got this building science advisor program started, Andre? Well, well, I think there's a uh, you know. In the last ten years, we've seen a lot of changes in how how we build how we build material uh, build homes, and 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 builders and contractors in general are adverse to change, and and, and you know it's understandable. Uh, whenever you try something different, you, there's risk associated with that. And what we were trying to do is we we want to encourage people to to build. Uh, more energy efficiently, uh, with improved air tightness, using new building materials that probably have you know, lower carbon uh, levels than the, the materials that we're using today. But unless we can waylay some of the concerns, then uh, I think there's there's some some uh, difficulty in getting people to uh, ad- adapt to a lot of these new technologies. So. The purpose of this tool was to try to uh, instill some level of confidence in uh, the 
the use of some of these new technologies, we, we kind of view it as kind of like having an expert in your pocket. Uh, you know, it's always good to be able to pick up the phone and talk to somebody who is very knowledgeable in this and say, well, I'm going to try this. You know, what do you think? Is this going to work? And you know, if, if the expert is familiar with that, he can give you an answer. What the intent here is that this, this replaces the expert. What we've tried to do is take all of the information, whether it be expert advice or information in the building codes or uh, uh, field experiments that have been performed as well as uh, computer simulations and created a tool that will uh, examine the, uh, the, the, the construction that you're, you're considering if, if you're looking at a new construction or if you're looking at a retrofit construction, you'll recommend some, some ways of improving the energy efficiency of those structures without creating a problem uh, from a durability problem. So that's kind of where I kind of got it all started. So if you can switch to the next slide, I think I might actually talk through a couple of these already. Uh, need to thank my colleague in, in Washington, Eric Whirling. Uh, he has a lot of faith in us and, and has sponsored the bulk of this work. And of course, I want to thank Pete, Joe, and Cliff. And I put Pete first because he's the one who visited us, right? That's what you said, right? Uh, so uh, we appreciate the opportunity to join you folks this uh, this, this afternoon and uh, share with you what we're up to. So and I understand, Andre, that a lot of this ties into the other DOE sites like the Build America site, et cetera. Yeah, the the uh, the Department of Energy has uh, a number of uh, other national laboratories who are working, you know, work, basically working in tandem. Uh, Building America, a lot of that activity is, is, is undertaken by one of our sister labs, Pacific Northwest Labs. And they have a, a website called the Building America Solution Center, which has a repository of lots and lots of information. So you can actually access the Building Science Advisor from their website as well as ours. Uh, it, uh, uh, we, we we try to work in tandem. We all have you know, different areas of specialty. Uh, specialty. We tend to be more researchy and, and and do a lot of experimental work. PNL tends to be a little bit better in terms of doing field demonstrations and and, and uh, accumulation of data and information to share with the user uh, user and uh, the user community. So we all have our our strengths, and we we try to collaborate as much as we can. But as I was mentioning earlier, uh, you know, as there's this concern about taking risk, and, and every time you change the way you build, uh, you're you're increasing the risk because you don't have the experience of doing it uh, in, in the past. So the you know the the least risky thing is to do exactly what you did yesterday. If what you did yesterday worked, then it should work today. So what we we're trying to, to do is encourage people to try things different differently and to give them a means that they could get basically instant access to a, a consultant uh, or the information that would reside in the in the head of a consultant or an expert. But now what we've done is we've taken all of that information, we've siphoned it out of their brains and stuck it into a web-based tool called the Building Science Advisor. Uh, next slide, please. So, you know, why is this so? Well, I think uh, none of our uh, the, the homes that our parents lived in uh, really ever had very many moisture-related problems or durability problems. But if you look at you know houses that were built 40 or 50 years ago to compare them to what we build today, they're substantially different. You know, 
the interior sheathings. We've gone from plaster to gypsum board. Windows used to be, you know, single pane and they used to basically be dehumidifiers. So now we've got fairly <laughs> energy efficient triple pane windows. Uh, airtightness of buildings is substantially different. Uh, so Joe, there's a picture of your house, right? A lock home uh, with uh, uh, yeah. you know, all of the uh, air leakage that uh, is associated with that, that type of construction. Uh, today, we, 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 we sheathe our, our exterior of our buildings and we try very hard to reduce the amount of air exchange between the interior and exterior of buildings. All of these things tend to make the building a little bit more sensitive to moisture and where we'd never really had to even think about durability 40, 50 years ago, because our buildings were so uh, were self-healing, uh, but they weren't energy efficient. So now what we need to do is be both energy efficient and durable at the same time. And that's much more of a challenge. So next slide, please. So the more, the more energy efficient you try to make it, the more potential there are for other issues to crop up. Yeah, you, what you do is, uh, you know, uh, air moving through the wall, air leakage tends to dry walls very nicely. So as we tighten up the, uh, the wall system, we basically eliminate that, that, that drying mechanism that used to be available to us. Uh, and, and, and so it, it's not that the, uh, necessarily the materials are, are more sensitive, but what we've done is we've reduced the ability of, those, of, of the systems, systems to dry. So this led us to, you know, developing this tool. Again, I kind of underline the, the word instant. I think a lot of times, you know, you're on a job site and somebody comes up to you and says, well, I was supposed to sheet this with polyiso, but all I could find is polystyrene. Is that okay? Well, what you can do is if you have your, uh, your computer with you, uh, go to the building science advisor, lay it out, substitute one material for the other and determine whether that's, that's a, a an adequate substitution and you can get the answer once you learn how to use the tool in, in, in less than a minute. Uh, it's the tool's web-based. Uh, we hope to develop an app at some point, but we haven't kind of gotten that far. It's, it's built around what we refer to as an expert system. And I'll talk a little bit about what an expert system is. And finally, it it's, can be used both for designing new and existing wall systems. So if you're looking at uh, you know, constructing a new building or the building's been completely damaged, you have to completely gut the system and you're, you're uh, going to uh, start effectively afresh, except maybe for the studs being in place, it could be used for uh, evaluating a, a recommendation, a recommended change for that, for that uh, type of construction. Next slide. So what an expert system is, is you, you basically have three parts of it. The, the user interface is simply the, the screen where you tell the, you tell the program, you tell the, the, the tool what you, what you want to do. Uh, if, if I'm building a, a, if I'm, I'm renovating a building, I'm going to say, okay, uh, I'm in New Orleans. Uh, I've got a stick frame structure and I want to use this type of sheathing, this type of insulation, this amount of continuous insulation, this type of cladding. This is where the user is basically talking to the tool and inputting the information he requires the, the tool to have. The tool will then take that information and convert it into uh, uh, something that the, the tool will understand. If you, if you think about you know, all the possible combinations you can have, there are hundreds of different claddings and there are dozens of different sheathings and hundreds of different insulations. 
we can't keep track of all of those. So what we do is we kind of put them together. Uh, we effectively bin them. We treat all fibrous insulations basically the same. So the tool is somewhat agnostic in terms of it, whether it's cellulose or fiberglass, for example. Uh, but it will differentiate between cellulose and foam because the moisture uh, handling capabilities of those different materials are, are, are important. So we, we combine some of these things to reduce the number of combinations. And that's what's in the inference engine. And then there's a huge database. There's probably about 50,000 different rules in the database. It's uh, effectively will take the user, uh, the user information, look through the rule set, see which rules apply to the system that this gentleman is, uh, this person is uh, wanting to examine and, 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 and give it the results from, 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 that, uh, from that simulation or that rule that's in the database. And those rules come from, as I said earlier, smart people, codes, computer simulations, field experimentations. We've combined all of that information uh, and install that into what's referred to as the knowledge base. Next page. Uh, so got, kind of told you all, all this already. We could skip this one and go to the next. So one of the things that the tool kind of proud of about the tool is if you input a, a system and the, 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 the tool says, this is not a good idea, what it does is it gives you guidance as to how to change that system. So not only will it tell you, is it good, bad, or I'm not sure, it'll tell you if it is bad, well, here's what we think you can do to make it better. And built into the tool, there are all of these guidance information sheets. And I believe there are about nine of these that cover different topics associated with durability. And at the bottom of this tool, if you want even further information, you can see references for further reading kind of listed at the bottom. Uh, you can then go and into the, uh, to the debt and find much more specific information on this specific topic. So, uh, what we've tried to do is put in one place all of you know several levels of information. First, here's what the tool thinks in terms of your design. Here's some general information that'll make it better if you if you have a problem, and if you want even further detail and further information, here's a whole family of references that will help you understand and, and remediate that problem uh, more completely. Next page. So. Uh, I'm gonna turn it over to Michael now. Michael will kind of give you kind of a, a quick tour of, of the tool. Uh, so Michael, all yours. Thanks, Andre. All right, so um, yeah, I, this, I, I'm really excited about this building science, science advisor because um, it really, as Andre said, dials down to the important things. And um, if you go to the Solutions Center, I don't know if you, any of you have been to the DOE Solutions Center, it's an excellent source of all kinds of information on building science in the residential area. Um, however, um, you end up, at least I do, uh, when I start in there, I start to go down these squirrel paths to these rat holes and, and get lost in what I was originally there for. And what building science allows you to do is after you've specified um, uh, the assessment of a wall system, which is what the tool's about, um, then it takes you to, as Andre said, the best resources so you can learn and um, not have to spend a lot of time trying to find stuff. It helps you find it. So the first thing here is the uh, homepage. And uh, as, as Andre said, we have new construction, and we're proud now that we've done the retrofit construction. And this stuff's going to get really important as uh, the uh, um, inflation 
uh, the Inflation Reduction Act starts to uh, pump uh, resources, funding to people that own homes that want to rehab them or remodel them, and builders that are building to beyond energy codes to Energy Star, they get twenty five hundred for that. They build to a zero energy ready five thousand a home. So there's hmm. going to be a lot of um, opportunities that for people that don't know building science to learn it with the building science advisor. The next, let's see here. Let's. I'm going to just surf down there, and then basically, uh, you know, it basically allows you to go to different components. And uh, we're going to focus today on on the walls, which is where the analysis tool lies. So that's kind of the homepage. And we go into pre-assessments. And um, basically, uh, you can go to uh, information on roofs, exterior walls, windows, and attachments to those windows. And then it does some stuff on basements and uh, the whole idea of air tightness and the fundamentals of build tight, ventilate right. So it's a uh, kind of the pre-assessment provides you with some resources right away, talks about building air tightness and some resources from the Air Barrier Association where you can learn more about testing. So, you know, if you want to go there, you can go there and learn more about it. Um, that's the people that include that are certified and trained to install air barriers and test them. Um, there's some information on air barriers here. Uh, there's one of Joe Stebrick's uh, classic uh, research reports. And every one of Joe's research reports that you've ever seen over the years is dialed into this expert system. And um, so here's an example now uh, for building science corporation research on air barriers and then in addition to that, you know, we were talking about um, the next generation of uh, building science folks, whether they're uh, in the on site or whether they're in the lab and everything in between. And so they have links to the Solar Decathlon, which is an awesome program and some information. The Solar Decathlon Building Science Education Series. I'm uh, Walter While you're doing that, um, Mike, what we're going to do is we're going to break real quick for our halftime, make me thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Mike uh, Lubliner. Luby. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site, your trusted, full-service disaster recovery and property restoration company at firstonsite.com. Association sponsors are ACGIH, Advancing Careers of Professionals in Environmental Health, Industrial Hygiene, and Safety, Interested in Defining Their Science, ACGIH.org, AIHA, Healthy Workplaces, A Healthier World, AIHA.org, The Cleaning Industry Research Institute, See More Deeply Through Science and Research, CIRI science.org the iicrc a non-profit standards development and certifying body for the cleaning and restoration industry iicrc.org industry sponsors are aeml laboratories free shipping great pricing same day results with no rush fee aemlinc.com particles plus Feature-rich particle counters and air quality instrumentation. Count on us. Particlesplus.com. TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring indoor air. 
Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations, TSI.com. Sunbelt Rentals, availability, reliability, and ease for all your IAQ and restoration needs at sunbeltrentals.com. April Air, healthy air, healthy home, April, A-I-R-E.com. And Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online magazine for industry professionals and consumers, healthyindoors.com. All right, we're back with the second half. We've got Mike Lubliner and we've got Andre Desjardins. Mike, let's keep going. By the way, uh, I want everyone to know, John and I both went in last night and played with this and put in our own walls. Very interesting. And uh, I think what we'll do if we have time as this goes on is uh, put in an example. But Mike, why don't you go ahead and continue where you were left off? All right. So uh, I was talking a little bit about the solar decathlon. There's all kinds of YouTube things there for for young folks to learn about uh, building science and get involved through the universities in the solar decathlon. Uh, It's a great education program. It teaches STEM, uh, all the important fundamentals for the future engineers. We've got the whole building design guide that's done by the Army Corps of Engineers and the building enclosure, again, back to... uh, John Straub, Joe Stiebrick, some of my mentors over the years that uh, that are important technical stuff for architects, engineers, uh, designers, uh, equipment manufacturers, building system manufacturers. It's all right there. If the builder wants to know why you're specking this stuff, you can show them. You're going to reduce your risk. So um, on that note, let me see if I can move that. Let's go back to... Um, to the home, we're on the pre-assessments page now. And what this will allow you to do is kind of move along and uh, go to the through and give you a little tour of the overall website. So this one does, you know, why, why we do wall retrofits and uh, talks about um, all the wall uh, implications of walls, walks you through before you start a re- retrofit, doing a pre-assessment. Um, some really good links to identifying causes of moisture, uh, durability. Um, the, you know, we talked a little bit about as we get homes retrofitted more efficiently or built more efficiently, um, the risks can go up if you don't do things right. Um, and uh, as Joe would call it, Joe Stiebrick, uh, there's no free thermodynamic lunch with energy efficiency. Uh, housing durability studies, there's some great stuff here. And this gives you just a quick tour to dial down of the stuff important to you. Then we do the assessments um, and um, you can you can go through and identify uh, links to moisture problems. There's case studies here. Uh, let's see if we can go if this one will work. Uh, actually, this is just the tour right now. So uh, let me go down and keep coming here. Here's the identify different moisture problems, and then documents that will come up that will tell you about uh, both uh, what are the dynamics, what are the case studies, what are the problems, what about mold, uh, building enclosures, all this stuff. uh, And it's vetted by uh, reputable research scientists and practitioners in the real world. And so it's really a good tour here to get through and spend an hour with your client going through this stuff. Then the way the Prius, then you go into the actual assessments um, where you can go in and you can, as Andre said, put a 
um, an enclosure, a, a wall enclosure in, and you can select different climate zones, anything from Arctic to Miami. And then uh, from there, once you've got the climate zones, and here's an example of the climate zones, and you can go ahead and uh, start your assembly. So your wall assembly construction, you can pick either a, a new wall, an existing wall, you can go in, you can pick off, okay, what kind of exterior cladding? Am I going to have a ventilated drained um, space behind the cladding? Uh, if I'm using a continuous insulation or not, uh, I've got a bunch of opportunities to look at different types of insulation and their impact on the uh, dynamics of the wall. How thick is that insulation? Uh, what is the house wrap, the weather-resistant barrier that we've learned and codes now required so that we can keep wind-driven rain and moisture out um, and along with flashing systems? What kind of exterior sheathing is there? So you got house wrap, permeable, non-permeable house wrap. You got exterior sheathing. Um, you know, what is the, the building sheathed in? And then what type of wall are we talking about? Are we talking about two by six, two by four CMU, grouted masonry, steel frame, gives you all the options to pick and customize your wall. Then in the cavity of that wall, what kind of insulation is in there? Um, and closed cell, flash and bat, fiberglass, cellulose, open cell. It gives it, as Andre said, based on the properties of the product of the of the assembly component. Then what kind of interior uh, vapor? retarder is there behind the drywall or part of the drywall? Um, is there any? Is it a poly or aluminum foil or is it craft paper? And, um, and, and you can go in and pick which one you want. Then, of course, what kind of finish is there? Is it uh, latex paint? Uh, is it just uh, oil-based? Oil um, and so that's the inputs. And here's it will create a wall assembly for you. Um, here's one with some polyethylene and some vinyl siding. All right, so we go down and we cruise. Now that we've got the climate and we've got the wall assembly described, we can go in. And as, as Andre said, you can do a new construction example. If you were in a damaged flood zone or something like that, uh, you can go in and say you're pulling off just the exterior uh, or some wind damage. And you can go in. You can go in from the interior and evaluate an interior retrofit or a gut rehab where you have to tear the whole thing out, open it up. So you got the options here. I think this audience might be real interested in the gut rehab tool. We'd love to hear back from you on how useful the tool is as helping you to explain to your clients the importance of doing it right when you fix the gut, when you do the gut rehab. So then it talks about new wall construction and, and it gives you like, um, gives you a, a little gauge. And there's uh, this, for example, for hot mixed climates, I won't get into the details of the example, but it shows you here, new construction, you're in the good durability classification. And um, as you start to change these components or change the climate, it may put you in all the way up into the failure mode. And this is again, a new construction example. Um, it also provides you an assessment of how you are compared to the ICC energy code. So, and so this is the wall assembly again, and the, the risk and the R value that you might need for codes. So that's kind of a little bit of the, the pre-assessment tour. 
uh, you can go right in and we could do an example here. Oh, Let's I do one, Mike. Yeah, okay. Let's I want to give you, maybe I'll, I'll give you the inputs and then we'll look at the output because um, I've got two great examples. Let's go with the typical Pittsburgh home, John Faith's home in, uh, in the Pittsburgh area. We're talking about 5A, so we've got a cold and wet climate. We input that. Now we go next. And what's next up here? I can't see that. Uh, okay, um, the type of construction. Let's put brick exterior cladding. All right. Brick or stone. Now we go to the next, which is going to be my, do we have an airspace in there? We're going to say yes, uh, drained and ventilated. Although I think that's a stretch in the Pittsburgh area, but I'm going to give them drained and ventilated anyway. Uh, Now we do not have any continuous exterior insulation there, so we would choose none. And let's go to the um, exterior. What would be next on the list here, Mike? Uh, it's be the water resistive barrier because we don't have since we don't have any continuous insulation, it just um it you don't need to open that one up. There's no we're gonna problem. put house wrap for that one. House yeah. wrap building paper. House wrap. All right. And then what kind of sheathing is there? Sheathing is going to be fiberboard. It's probably some old Celotex or something like that. Sixties. Yeah. And Before. then we're talking two by four sixteen inch on center. Two by four sixteen, yes, sir. Fiberglass. Fiberglass in the wall. In the wall. And we got, uh, uh, you got any paper barrier, none. And latex, drywall with latex. Oh, wait, John, do you have plaster or drywall? Drywall. Yeah. Is it latex or oil paint? I've put on latex. Latex. (laughs) And boom, it's that simple. Now we find out. Based on the yeah, skip the new. There we go. And this is pretty common for a house built in the '60s. It's risky as far as moisture durability goes, and I'll bet the energy efficiency is not real good either. It's below what new construction would be. Let's do another one real quick, Mike. This is one that we did rehab here at Indian Lake, so we got the same inputs as far as the the climate zone. It's five A. Okay. And what kind of clad? Same cladding? We got brick. We've got uh, fiberboard. Uh huh. No exterior sheathing or no exterior insulation. No continuous insulation. Uh, We've got some house wrap. Uh huh. Fiberboard. Um, This is again two by four by 16, but this time let's put in closed cell phone. As was recommended by my uh, by a good friend of both of ours here, I wanted to make sure it would work. I called Joe to make sure. All right, interior recorder. Yeah, just look look over at the uh, the, the diagram. See, that's there. None, and then we go uh, cavity insulation, closed cell foam. It does a little graphics for you. Sorry, nice. Mike. Yeah, I didn't notice that the other day. All right, uh, interior vapor retarder. We have none. Okay. And it's latex paint, drywall with latex paint. And I think that is that the last input? Yes, sir. All right. Now we'll see the difference that that makes when we have. All right. So it's given me a little risky. When I had it in last night, it, it had me in the pass area, but uh, maybe I missed something there, but that's okay. So, did we, we add something here that generally it wasn't much in the way of thermal performance. Uh, let's see on the CC. Yeah. 
let's go back and look. So this this is one of the things that you got to always double check. But uh, I've had some that, and Andre, you could probably explain some that were non-intuitive. Like I, I was working in my in a, in a, a cold climate zone, and I was putting um, things like CI on. So let's put in an inch of poly on that wall when you reside, for example, um, and that same wall. And uh, let's see if that gives hey, you. Joe. Yes, yeah. sir. Uh, just a, a good text question came. And um, how do you take into account the impact of interior air movement close to the wall? Yeah, this is an excellent question. So, uh, Andre, do you want to touch down that one? Or I could probably take a stab and you tell me if I'm, I'm on board. So <laughs> what, what this does is um, this assumes that um, the wall is being done correctly. In other words, you've built tight and you're ventilating right and you're testing. If you have any situation where uh, the, um, say you were in the pass area, oh, I passed, you know, but Joey Bag of Donuts or Bubba factor happens and they screw it up, you're going to end up getting moving closer into the risky area. So it's really important that you understand that this is really looking at um, parameters, but it doesn't model defects. It assumes that you've correctly done the air barrier and that you've done the other stuff that we were talking about. Um, and, and I think that that's a really good question that that we um, uh, have been needing to address in terms of and why we link you to the resources so that you get those quality assurances built into the program. So uh, specifically, Andre, I know that there's some uh, moisture loading uh, assumptions from a vapor pressure drive from inside the house into the wall. And uh, those are considered, but it's not really looking at imperfections due to things that we can't model. We still have Andre on? Yeah, no, my, my camera just burped, but I'm still no here. No problem. Uh, yeah, that, that's correct. The one of the difficulties of looking at air movement and, and wall systems is not only is it a question of how much air is moving through the wall, but it also is impacted by how the air is moving through the wall. And it's so hard to, you know, so hard to generalize those sorts of solutions in, in this type of tool. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going with the assumption that everything else is being equal. You don't have substantial flows of, of air. If you do, you're going to have a moisture-related problem. So you need okay. to control the air. And then uh, this, is, this tool is helping you differentiate between the different material components that are going to be included in the construction of the wall. And I, sorry, my, my camera died. So I think, I think no. it's running again. Uh, no so problem, I'm, Andre. I'm here. Good. Mike, I think one of the things um, I left out was the, the air tightness of the wall, which was pretty airtight. So maybe that was why we, we came up with what we did. But um, is Woofy part of this analysis? Yeah, the, uh, I'll, I'll steal that, that question. Uh, one of the inputs uh, when, when we constructed this tool, we tried to identify uh, you know, all of the, the most common construction practices. Uh, the tool can't cover everything. So we try to, to, to limit it to uh, 
90% of, of what's being built. And, and so that's why when you look at some of the constructions, you don't see uh, structural insulated panels or insulated concrete forms, or, you know, as we said earlier, uh, logs, uh, solid wood block uh, logs or CLTs. But the, uh, we then took a look at what's, what's available in the codes, what's available in the literature, what are the opinions of people who have written on the topic. And then when we found some blanks in the, in the database, we backfilled those, those blanks by using hydrothermal modeling. So of the 50,000 rules, I would guess that probably 40,000 of them are from woofy, woofy types of analyses. Uh, so, uh, so there is uh, uh, the opinions of the experts uh, and, and, and where they haven't spoken or where they haven't written uh, specifically on, we, we filled in those blanks by using the tools that they, they generally use. So Excellent. it's a combination of everything. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, Louis, well, you have one more thing you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I, just want, I went, I went in and did a little change. I got rid of the, the foam and went in and put an in, well, I put the foam instead of in the cavity, I put an inch of foam on the exterior and you got really good passing grades there. And, uh, and a really good high performance wall. So anyway, yeah, I mean, this is pretty much it. Here are the resources that it gives you information on. Uh, and then you can open up the PDF. That was the stuff that Andre was showing for, for any types of uh, uh, components, trap moisture, drainage plane, air barrier, inward vapor drive, outward vapor drive, you know, with, depending on cooling, heating climates, uh, open vapor walls and CMU. So all the case studies then are here for you to look at based on the uh, long uh, Building America Solution Center uh, um, history of research. And um, and that's pretty much the tour for you. Here's some great different, uh, and there's plenty more of these uh, that'll dial down based on your climate. Uh, this, these are kind of some Massachusetts ones. And uh, that's pretty much it, I'd say, in terms of the tour. And... Um, I had a few takeaways. I don't know where you want to go from here. Well, let's go to the roundup and we'll come back and we'll ask a few final questions. Okay. The roundup is brought to you by April Air, providing healthy humidity, ventilation, and air purity solutions for new and existing homes. April Air, healthy air, healthy home at aprilaire.com. All right, Cliff, let me turn it over to you first. Any final questions for our guests or thoughts? I just, I guess it's more of a final thought than anything else. Um, you know, with all of this theft of technology, uh, you know, by China, I was just wondering whether uh, we welcome people from China, uh, you know, into the lab and, uh you know, let them look under the hood. You know, the 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 work that we do is 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 for everybody. Uh, you know, if 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 we're interested in reducing energy consumption, this is a global problem, not just a, a U.S. problem. Okay. And you know, frankly, uh, buildings in the U.S. perform somewhat better than a lot of third world countries. And DOE has a lot of pro programs trying to encourage countries like India uh, that have you know, mass building programs to, to build more energy efficiently. 
And oh, by the way, maybe you want to import some US technology, but that's a side card. I think that the first mission is to get them to build more energy efficient, uh, energy efficiently. So uh, these tools are on the web, it's for everybody. Uh, you know, the, 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 the structures we have are kind of North American-ish type of, of construction, right? You don't see too much stick, stick frame construction in, you know, say Eastern Europe. Uh, so it is somewhat limiting in, in, in that respect, but uh, you know, the more people that use this tool, the happier we would be. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not concerned about the tool. I was more concerned about the lab itself. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you remember what, uh, you, you probably, being a U.S. citizen, didn't really go through the ringer. Uh, rules regarding security changed a lot after 2001. Uh, we were much more open. Uh, people could drive basically right up to the buildings uh, prior to 2001. And if they had a pass, they could get in. Now we stop people uh, three or four miles away from the campus. And if you're not on a list to get in, you don't. Uh, foreign nationals are, you know, it takes about a month to get a foreign national into the lab. And, and they actually go through a background search before they're allowed into the lab. So there is... You know, more security today than there was 20 years ago. Uh, but yet we still allow people from foreign countries to come. We allow them to work here. Sometimes they're limited in terms of the buildings that they can access, but uh, 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 there is there are levels of security, but we try to be we try to be open to as many people as we can uh, and as many societies as possible. Uh, you know, some years back, there was a big issue uh, in regards to lie detector tests, you know, for people in the labs and so on and so forth. Do they still do the lie detector stuff today or they kind of dropped that? I don't, I don't remember that. I, uh, nobody's ever asked me a question. Uh, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I've never had to go on that test. Um I, I don't think so. You know, what they do do is they do background searches, uh, uh, primarily on foreign nationals. U.S. citizens okay. don't go to well, I'll send you some information on it, actually. Okay. Okay. No problem. I wonder if we invented the lie detector. That's why they were trying to use it. To use it. <laughs> well, I guess the guy that invented the lie detector also invented, what was it, Wonder Woman, I think, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> no, it's true. So, so today is the 75th anniversary of the discovery of the transistor. Okay. So, uh, I was in what, 1947, I believe. Uh, and just imagine what life would be if we didn't have transistors, right? We would not be talking via computer right now. Well, I, it, it, it seemed to me you, you, you smiled when I asked you the trivia question. Uh, seeing how no one answered it, uh, go ahead and answer it. Well, I, I, well, it's interesting that I don't know the actual names, but I know where to go to find it. I think I think Weinberg is one of them. Uh, well, it wasn't the name. It wasn't the name, but what did they write the names on? Oh, that I don't know. I I do not know. You were very very close to uh, your answer. The name that you gave was very very close. a bottle of wine. Correct on the really? lab, on the label uh, of a bottle of Chianti. Uh, uh, wow. Man after my own heart. There you well, go. Well, what I hey, well, we... you is uh, a, a little sidelight of the history is that uh, when they first loaded up the reactor with fuel, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the physicists and the scientists determined that it was going to take 96 hours for this to, to go critical and, and, and 
and begin to uh, develop, uh, produce uranium. And so they all went home for the weekend. This was a Friday afternoon, thinking that nothing was going to happen till the following Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday. Then on Saturday, apparently all the temperature gauges started going crazy. And they still didn't have a phone system built into this area. You can imagine this was just rural. Right. And so they had to send a, a gentleman by car to go to the homes of the two major physicists and say, whoa, whoa, what's happening? We don't know what's happening. You guys show up. And uh, there's actually a large painting of this guy in a you know, 1930s car driving up to a small, tiny house, uh, knocking on the door to wake up the scientists. Uh, you better show up because something serious is happening. And it just happened to be, uh, they were only off by a factor of two in terms of their calculation. So uh, it, it was uh, a lot of science by uh, by by the pants trap. You know, it was they were yeah, doing yeah. something that nobody had ever done, and it showed. Yep. Well, let's go, Mike. I want to get your final thoughts before I bring in Pete Consigli. All right. So um, just a little wrap up of the kind of things a question came in about air tightness and and everything. Um, you know, the, the big, the big 10 are the, you know, you drain the rain on the plane, you're going to save some cash. You got a flash, uh, think about overhangs, um, build it tight. And if you build it tight, make sure you've tested it. And so, you know, the tightness of it, make sure that you ventilate, right. If you don't, if you're going to do one, you got to do the other and test it again. Uh, then, you know, know what kind of perm rating and know what vapor retarders. Uh, uh, and then, of course, uh, the uh, bulk moisture, the perimeter drains that Joe talks about that get water that collect uh, if you don't have them at the at the basements and flooding, all the things related to flooding that you guys know. Get that right. Um, and then don't do stupid things because Joe will go ching ching. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty much it on my end. I, I think that the building science advisor dials you down to those messages with credible information and gives you a tool for assessing, assessing the what ifs. So uh, there is no free thermodynamic lunch, as Joe says. So we need better tools and better people that know understand this stuff. That, that's what I have to say. I, I really enjoy the tool. Um, gives you a lot of great options. You can switch from one type of insulation to another, or from one type of, um, you know, exterior cladding to another. You get a, you get a real nice idea of um, whether you're on the right path or not. Before we go, Pete, any final thoughts from you? Well, listen, you got you did you guys did a great job with the timing. You're going through everything. You had a lot of moving parts, and all the plates were spinning. Unfortunately, nothing hit the floor. I noticed that. So I got a couple things to close with. I noticed that uh, Ed Light in the in the very first thing in the chat log talked about, you know, when he was three years old, there was a picture of him in front of the nuclear reactor in Oak Ridge. I think I can actually beat that one. So my freshman year in college, in, in my uh, uh, first freshman year class on calculus math, I had a professor at my school that was part of the Manhattan Project at Oak Ridge. It's the built the atom bomb. And his thesis to get his PhD was at such a high security level, there was nobody qualified to review it that had that. <laughs> they, just had, they, they just had to give him his PhD. Now that's a true story. I didn't make that up. And he was he was an egghead kind of guy. I want to say his name or anything, but he had the little the little rim glasses. And but he was a brilliant man, and he was able to take these really complex things and make them uh, 
you know, fairly understandable for a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds. Uh, listen, um, the only thing I'll say is, you know, those Joe Stebrick had so much to do um, over the years, you know, through all the summer camp and the relationship that were forged in the last 25 years through that and, and working within the parameters of, uh, of, uh, of Oak Ridge. And uh, obviously he's got enough attaboys throughout the day, but um, those of you that still that want to really listen to Joe and John Tooley and Gary Nelson and these pioneers on building science. So to make sure you see right there, I got right on there. You know, go visit the website, climatezone.one. That's O-N-E, not the number one. And Joe and the whole crew, they're going to be down here in Southwest Florida <laughs> in January. And just, it, it's going to be a great, terrific event. And uh, we got, we got all of the, we got all the stuff and all the gear ready to recognize and honor that. And you can see here, our friends, uh, our friends at uh, Tamlin, they got the, got the co-branding on the back. So hope to see a bunch of you down there calling in from climate zone one. Let me tell you, it's a little chilly here today, guys. I'm not going to get any sympathy for you guys up in the cold climate, but like it's in the sixties down here in Florida. And that's kind of cool for us. You know, we, we may have to put sweater on, you know, but fortunately we, we don't need any shovels shoveling any kind of snow and ice hasn't gotten that bad yet. Um, anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to the blog because Cliff, uh, you, uh, he does such a terrific job and make sure you get all those links, the PowerPoint, everything's going to be in there for the, for the, the, all the listeners. And, you know, we get a lot more people that kind of download the blogs and uh, listen to the show afterwards because they can't always call in at 12 noon, but we had a good little group today and, and the one guy calling in from Dubai and, and he, and he apologized for having to leave a little early. Now, Hey, Andre, I know where you're going to be at nine o'clock on this Sunday morning. You're going to be in front of the television watching to see whether France can defend a World Cup title against the Argentinians, who probably are sentimental favorites because this is going to be Messi's last last World Cup. So it should be a very exciting World Cup. Uh, I'll predict now, I think the final score is going to be one nothing, but I don't know who's going to have the one and who's going to have the zero. Uh, so, so without that, uh, Andre and Luby, thank you very much for taking the time and working hard to put this together uh, on behalf of the of all the growing list of loyal listeners, as Radio Joe would say, we really appreciate this information and um, and maybe we'll do something else. We'll have a follow-up show next year, uh, see what kind of interest that we get on it. So thank you. Thank you very much, Joe, Cliff. Uh, signing off, we'll turn it back to you guys. Thank you, Pete. Hey, by the way, at the end of the show, our, our outro today will be done by, no, by, by one of our guests today, Fro. So this is pretty rare. Mike Lubliner is going to uh, do a little final outro. But before we go, I want to thank our guest for this week, Andre Desjardins, Michael Lubliner of the Oak Ridge National Lab, my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. John, you got to have faith at the controls. Our fantastic sponsors, our, our, our loyal audience, we appreciate you all. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to take uh, Christmas and New Year's off. We'll be back the first week in January with another Moisture Mob show. And actually, we've got two in a row. We've got a lot of interesting shows coming up, set up for January. And look forward to having everybody back here next year. But uh, so let's uh, let's finish with a great uh, little song put together by Mikey, Mike Luby. Let's call him Luby today. <laughs> we've even got the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
morning and you drive your car to Logan, take a 7472 a meeting. You make a lot of money and the people think you're funny and the crowd really takes a beating. You got some great lines and you like to drink fine wine. Costs more than a sports car, you say. If your clients get annoyed, you will be self-employed. An Aspen vacation, let's play. Building signs, business, Joe's way. Building signs, business, now what did he say? Building signs, business, drain the rain. Building signs, business, on the plane. Building signs, business, save some cash. Building signs, business, you better flash. Building signs, business, no overhang. Building signs, business, no yin, just yang. Building signs, business, build it tight. Building signs, business, on site, right. Building signs, business, ventilated, right. Building signs, business, tested on site, right. Building signs, business, no virgin pilot. Building signs, business, a Canadian pilot. Building signs, business, it don't rot or fall. Building signs, business, Joe's perfect wall. Building signs, business, no perimeter drain. Building signs, business, no Joe go insane. Building signs, business, no you pump. Building signs, business, and you will learn. Building signs, business, don't do stupid things. Building signs, business, or Joe goes ching ching. Building signs, business, Joe's way. Building signs, business, that's what the BSA says. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reel saying thanks for listening. 